So Alex. Yes, Ridden. Let's get this straight. Yeah. You you and your team got a wooden ship, was it wooden from the nineteen twenties? Steel, steel ship, ship from the nineteen twenties. Yeah. You spent about two years renovating it in rural Germany in Whoop Whoop. I don't know if they have a German word for that. It was very, very out there. Yeah. <laughs> Not and much more than nursing homes and old people in the shipyard where we were. But it was fun. It was good. And you did all that uh, to build a cargo ship to sail from Germany around the world, eventually landing in the Great Barrier Reef, but only using sails and the power of wind, yeah. despite the fact that we have engines <laughs> and electricity now yes. to get cargo from A to B at a rate four times slower than the traditional <laughs> modern means. Yes. So uh, why? why? Why would you do that? Well, it's not, it's not so much about, about finding like it's not going to be the way that things are moved around the world. We're, we're trying to raise awareness and make it fun because I think that a big part of the problem with sustainability is people think it's like a, a chore and it's not something that is to be enjoyed and it's not something that you should bring into your life. So we're trying to make show people that sustainability doesn't have to be about, you know, cutting back. It can be about developing. I think what fascinated me about the Timber Coast project was that it was sort of seemed like you're almost like throwing stones at Godzilla because you're <laughs> because it's such a big problem. And and I know like I heard the the captain um, say, you know, we know we're not going to change the world, but yeah. we're still we're still going to do it. Why do you? Yeah, yeah. What's the sort of uh, message that you guys are trying to get out there? What's the purpose of of putting so much effort into something like this? Because there's just there's not enough people doing it. Honestly, like there's there's so many projects that have been on the drawing board for so long and people just haven't had the, the willpower and, and the gumption to pick up tools and actually do something. So even if we don't actually change the, sh the shipping industry overnight, we've got to start. We've got to actually do something. We can't just sit around and wait for the politicians and wait for the companies to do something because they haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, then, We've known about climate change since like the 50s and the 60s, and it's 2017. I mean, come on, we need to actually do something. So, yeah, it's it's David versus Goliath, but David wins. <laughs> David wins. <laughs> and was there after you guys started um, and quite successfully um, got this project going? Yeah. Or there, did a sort of community start to build around is um, sailing cargo starting to you know, grow in importance? Well, definitely. There's, we're, we're only um, sort of progressing what is already quite a bit of a movement. So there's, there's been one ship that's been operating for six years now and they've done trips of the Atlantic every year, uh, totally packed out with rum and chocolate and cocoa and all of these and coffee, bringing them back to Europe. So. There, and there's, there's a growing group of ships in the, something called the uh, Sailing Cargo Alliance, which is a bunch of ship owners who, like us, want to actually see something. Because there's this really amazing crossover between seafarers and, and environmentalism, because they rely on the health of the ocean and of the planet to, to, do, to live, as everyone does. But they're, you know, they're part of it every day. We're kind of, you know, in our buildings and in our offices or on, on the site or whatever. And it's very, you don't have the immediate connection to nature and the natural systems that keep the world ticking. But when you're a seafarer, 
and you're bobbing along out in the middle of the ocean and you can the, the you know the destruction is kind of it's a you're part you're in it you're you're not it's not some abstract thing so there's a, a great crossover between seafarers and because they care about the environment that keeps their business going and that's something that a lot of business needs to wake up to is that if the environment goes down we can't do business like <laughs> it's 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 a huge part of what needs to be you know it needs to be a big part of the business conversation just as much as it needs to be about the environmental side of things so yeah yeah and if i guess if we drill down like more specifically into the problem timber coast and sail cargo is trying to yep. address what what is that what's the big problem with with transport and the way we sort of do business in that way um, well, the, the main part is probably, like, if you produce something organically in Argentina, we're in Australia, whatever, and we're getting garlic from Argentina, and you, it's, you know, whiz-bang, fair trade, organic garlic, but then we're throwing it on a container ship who use something called bunker fuel, which is the, this gluggy mess that's left over after refining every other fuel that we use. And it's incredibly high in sulfur. So... To say that it's bad from a CO2 perspective doesn't encapsulate the full picture of, of the impact that shipping can have. So there's a lot of particulate matter and sulfur and nitrous oxide and stuff that comes out of these ships that doesn't really get registered on a CO2 metric. So that's one part of it. Um, so yeah, it's mostly about the, 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 the miles and the distance between the things travel to get to our door. Like if we go into the shops, it takes two seconds to look at a product and see if it's made in Australia or made in made in Argentina, as an example. And Argentina is a lot further away than <laughs> yeah. Richmond. Like yeah. we can grow garlic in Richmond. Like and that's a that's a forty minute drive. And <laughs> to get garlic all the way from the other side of the world is a huge, huge impact that we don't need to be putting onto the environment. And, it's, and even when there's fresh things and they need to be refrigerated, then you're just compounding the problem. Like, so. And it seems to me like there's also, just looking at myself and my own consumption habits <laughs> and all the dumb crap I buy on the internet <laughs> that has to get shipped from like China to Japan yeah. to get here so I can have some stupid key ring on my <laughs> iPhone. Uh, I think like there's an attitude problem, I guess, around the whole world where we're sort of so fixated on consuming just just junk like I'm 60% of what we buy we don't need by any stretch of the imagination and we need it now like we want I don't want like I don't want to wait for your cargo ship to get to get to me because it's going to take yeah. four times longer to get my stupid key ring like, we're so like, this, yeah. we're so entrenched with that um, need for instant gratification mm -hmm. um, I mean that's very true and the romantic in me wants to say just wait a little longer for that Simpsons keychain. But that's not going to happen. That's not going to no, happen. No, I do want my Simpsons keychain right now. <laughs> exactly. And unfortunately, a sailing ship probably isn't going to get to you right now. But the sailing ship isn't the answer. Uh, then we're just trying to open up a conversation around the fact that we need to find an answer. Yeah. And that we need the answer yesterday. Yeah. Like, okay. We're not, we're not under, there's no illusions that the, the whole industry is going to revert back to, back to uh, sailing ships. Yeah, yeah. That take, you know, three weeks to cross the, that took us four and a half weeks to cross the Atlantic. Yeah. It takes 
a like a container ship like two weeks right if maybe a little bit longer in, in good conditions so there's there's no we're under no illusions about about that but we do need to start really talking about what we're going to do once once the environment does sort of tip over the point of uh irrever irre, you know irreversible yeah, change yeah. that's the word i was looking for yeah, that's, I think that's what I found really cool as well about the project was it's it's not just these like naive hippies being like, let's all become sailors and like save the world. <laughs> like everyone's fully aware of like yeah. the magnitude and realities of the problem, but it's still like we just need to we we need to do something and exactly. Well, the guy the guy who started it came from he was working for BP and Shell, a contract marine contractor for these big companies, and he did a full one eighty. Right. and invested all of his money in this project and he's sort of built all of these people around it. So there is, I, I do feel like there are more and more people within the industry or any industry, just in society generally, who are starting to wake up to the fact that we actually need to do something. So yeah, there, it, is, it is growing, but we just need to kick it along. And as you say, it is, it is about showing people, like to have, to come on board and to sail across the sea with cargo, you, you get a sense of the the scale of the globe, yeah. and and the scale of the global economy is phenomenal. And you don't, as you say, you don't see that walking around the street. But when you're in this, like it's a big ship. It's like <laughs> 45 meters on deck, which is not small, and like 36 meter, uh, 30 meter mass. So you think it's massive, and then you come alongside one of these ships, and it's like. You're like a freaking cork, <laughs> just kind of dinking along. And these things are huge. And you go past these container ports and all of the drilling infrastructure. This, this, is, this is huge. Mm. And uh, we, when we were in Tenerife, we were, so we were in a, a port, which is, um, so Tenerife is going through this sort of big transition. They're trying to find a lot of oil to sort of bump up their economy. So the port is just packed with infrastructure for offshore drilling. And we were surrounded by like eight of these drilling rigs, which probably the size of like a soccer field, maybe a little bit smaller. And the dock is just packed with pipes and pipes and pipes and uh, thrusters and all this infrastructure for drilling. And with this tiny ship, <laughs> yeah. just like looking up, it was really metaphorical, but that's, you know, we just keep going. Yeah. You've got to keep doing it. I mean, that's what we're here for. Thinking about like following your the journey of Timber Coast also makes <laughs> made me really realize just how much of a process it is of getting something from A to B because yeah. we click a button on eBay and we go, oh cool, yeah, yeah. that thing's coming in two days. Yeah. And you think, oh man, this, this has to go through so much manpower, so many resources, so much effort to get something from one place to another place. And I yeah, think that's something exactly. as well we don't realize. Um, yeah, I mean, so. that's, that's another side of it is like, we're trying to illuminate as you say, how arduous and how big of a process it is to get something from a coffee plant in Honduras yeah. to Germany, ground, and like how many people touch that coffee bean? Yeah. And when you break down the price, and someone in the Sailing Cargo Alliance has done this, broken down every step of the supply chain, and you realize how little the, the, the person who's harvesting or the person whose whole livelihood is around farming this product, how little they're getting for, like, if, you know, the price of coffee goes up 50 cents, oh, I'm out, I'm going to another cafe, not possible. But that 50 cents, add, accumulate it, if it accumulates and goes back to the right people, 
that is a like then that person can sustain themselves and their the generations can keep farming in there so it is there is the supply chain is just so opaque mm. and that's what we're trying to do is illuminate it and show people like you say how much of a process it is so then when you do go and buy something you just have that person in the back of your mind yeah. and and you sort of use that to sort of influence what you do on a daily basis so that's what we're trying to another thing we're trying to do so let's talk about the ship living on a ship in the middle of the atlantic living on the ship on an on an <laughs> on a ship from the 1920s that you're trying to make as sustainable as possible yeah what are the the hardest things about living on <laughs> on the sea on the high well, seas it's it was it was awesome because because we'd been working with these like a lot of the people who worked on the ship then sailed on the ship so to be part of to be part of a community where we're building this thing to take to the world and show them that we need to do something and then take it out to the world and yeah. sail on it was unbelievable it was incredible because and and that's that's what people need they need we need to be part we need to bind together in our pursuit of changing the world was it um what was your favorite thing about ship life Oh, just being surrounded by the horizon in every single direction is just an experience you can't get anywhere else. And climbing up the mast and a couple of times we were up there, you're like, you, you can see forever. Like just the vastness is, you can't comprehend it until you get there. Yeah. And then well, we had a couple of times we had like pods of dolphins, like they must have been hundreds of dolphins and they're just the water is just alive with dolphins coming out of the water and a couple of times one time there was like five pods kind of all just sussing out the boat so there's like one over here and you see the spurt go up and then you see the tail go up there and you're just going well there's whales everywhere so just being out it's like you can't you can sort of get a level of solitude when you're you know in the national park or in the bush or something but there is all you know there's noises and there's birds and trees and stuff which they're just there's just none of that it's just this peaceful void it's really beautiful it's really really nice and just finally can you give us an update on i guess where the ship's at now um and what's sort of next next stages the next step so they've uh last i checked they were they just left the azores which is this island in the north atlantic which which has a we could go into the amazing history of that place but so they're going from there and they'll be in Bremen which is in northern Germany in um, on the about the 20th of April and they are loaded with coffee from Honduras which has been you know we're working they work really closely with the farmers and we've gone there and, and looked at their operation and sort of you know developed a real partnership with them and then that's another part is you need to and then it needs to be a network of all of these companies working together so there's going to be they're, they're arriving in the 20th and then there's going to be a big harbor party and festival and this that's going to be a huge moment because that'll be the first round trip of the atlantic and that'll be their first major cargo unload so they've got the coffee from honduras and then some rum from uh from the canary islands and that's a, a tasty bunch. ship yeah. <laughs> but there's, there's all these flavors kind of swashing around in the cargo <laughs> hold everyone's kind of getting to know each other so no it's going to be it's going to be a really big moment it's going to be a lot of fun cool yeah thanks no worries <laughs>